Welcome to a brand new podcast. This is Everything with Everett, a podcast dedicated to hosting important conversations. Everything with Everett is hosted by Everett McConaughey from Boise, Idaho. Everett is an Idaho native who is ready to share his thoughts and observations on a wide variety of subjects. Politics, science, faith, religion, technology, and so much in between. How did we get here? What can we learn from each other? How can we put the past into a healthy conversation that helps us grow tomorrow? This is Everything with Everett, a conversation worth having. Welcome to Everything with Everett, a podcast dedicated to hosting conversations worth having. Today's episode is not what I had planned to record this week, but nonetheless, it is a timely and incredibly important conversation to host. I would like to take today to honor and celebrate the life and work of Representative John Robert Lewis. His life spanned from February 21st, 1940 until July 17th, 2020. In the course of his time here on planet Earth, He became a civil rights leader and championed equality for all who call these United States of America home. He fulfilled many key roles in the civil rights movement and its actions to end legalized racial segregation in the United States. In 1965, Lewis led the Selma to Montgomery marches across the Edmund Pettus Bridge, a landmark bearing the name of an anti-American racist man. In an incident which became known as Bloody Sunday, armed Alabama police attacked unarmed civil rights demonstrators, including Lewis. As a member of the Democratic Party, Lewis was first elected to Congress in 1986 and served for 17 terms in the U.S. House of Representatives. Due to his length of service, he became the Dean of the Georgia Congressional Delegation. The district he represented includes the northern three-quarters of the city of Atlanta. He was a leader of the Democratic Party in the U.S. House of Representatives, serving from 1991 as Chief Deputy Whip and from 2003 as Senior Chief Deputy Whip. Lewis received many honorary degrees and awards, including the Presidential Medal of Freedom. John Robert Lewis led a far more involved and impactful life than I really have time to accurately and significantly share let alone to do it justice. I was fortunate enough to travel to Birmingham, Alabama in 2008 with the Boise State University men's basketball pep band to the NCAA championships. That trip was eye-opening to say the least. I saw the park famously photographed where people of color had high-pressure fire hoses aimed at them while police swarmed to arrest them as their bodies hit the earth. Across the street from the Kelly Ingram Park, is the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute, where I learned far more about the crimes and violence against the people of color in the conservative Republican South. Gazing into the eye holes of a Ku Klux Klan hood and robe worn by a mannequin sent chills through my body. It was a piece of dark history, aged by time, and standing in silence before me, and oh, so very real. In the same room, just feet away, is a large bay window that overlooks the Kelly Ingram Park. 
across the street from the front of the building. And out an adjacent window, you can see the 16th Street Baptist Church. So fittingly placed between where you stand and the structurally functional window of the facility is a shattered and damaged remnant of a stained glass window. This window was touched by racism and terror. The 16th Street Baptist Church was bombed in a white supremacist terrorist attack. The bombing occurred at the African-American 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama on Sunday, September 15, 1963. It shattered several windows and claimed the lives of four young ladies of color. The four girls killed in the bombing were Addie Mae Collins, age 14, Cynthia Wesley, age 14, Carol Robertson, age 14, and Carol Denise McNair, age 11. It should disturb you to know that Thomas Edwin Blanton Jr. and Bobby Cherry were each convicted of four counts of murder and sentenced to life imprisonment in 2001 and 2002, 38 and 39 years later, respectively. A third suspect, Herman Cash, died in 1994 and was never charged with the alleged involvement in the bombing. White privilege and racism won out over justice for nearly 40 years in just one incident. While we have come a long way in so many areas, there seem to be just as many that we have not. We don't practice physical segregation based on race today, but it is clear that the fingerprints remain in areas of education, healthcare, poverty, and generational wealth. We still live in a nation where white people have an unspoken privilege, where no one questions their actions or intent as much as a person of color. And I would like to yield the balance of my time today to the gentleman from Georgia, the great, the honorable John Robert Lewis. Please hear these words. I have the pleasure to present to this great audience young John Lewis, national chairman, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, Brother John Lewis. We march today for jobs and freedom, but we have nothing to be proud of, for hundreds and thousands of our brothers are not here. While they're receiving starvation wages or no wages at all. While we stand here, there are sharecroppers in the Delta of Mississippi who are out in the field working for less than $3 a day, 12 hours a day. While we stand here, there are students in jail on trumped-up charges. Our brother James Farmer, along with many others, is also in jail. We come here today with a great sense of misgiving. It is true that we support the administration's civil rights bill. We support it with great reservation, however. Unless, unless Tile 3 is put in this bill, there's nothing to protect the young children and old women who must face police dogs and fire hoses in the South while they engage in peaceful demonstrations. In its present form, 
This bill will not protect the citizen of Danville, Virginia, who must live in constant fear of a police state. It will not protect the hundreds and thousands of people who have been arrested upon Trump charges. What about the three young men, Snickfield's secretary in America's Georgia, who faced a death penalty for engaging in peaceful protest? As it stands now, the voting section of this bill will not help the thousands of black people who want to vote. It will not help the citizens of Mississippi, of Alabama, and Georgia who are qualified to vote for lack of sixth grade education. One man, one vote is an African crime. It is our tool. It must be ours. We must have legislation that will protect the Mississippi sharecropper, who is put off of his farm because he died and registered to vote. We need a bill that will provide for the homeless and starving people of this nation. We need a bill that will ensure the equality of a maid who earns $5 a week in a home of a family whose income is $100,000 a year. We must have a good FEPC bill. My friends, let us not forget that we are involved in a serious social revolution. But by and large, American politics is dominated by politicians who build their career on immoral compromising and align themselves with open form of political, economic, and social exploitation. There are exceptions, of course. We salute those. But what political leader can stand up and say, my party is the party of principles? For the party of Kennedy is also the party of Eastland. The party of Javis is also the party of Goldwater. Where is our party? Where is the political party that will make it unnecessary to march on Washington? Where is the political party that will make it unnecessary to march in the streets of Birmingham? Where is the political party that will protect the citizens of Albany, Georgia? Do you know that in Albany, Georgia, nine of our leaders have been indicted, not by the Dixocrats, but by the Frederick government for a peaceful protest. But what did the Frederick government do when Albany Deputy Sheriff beat Attorney C.B. Kane and left him half dead? What did the federal government do when local police officials kicked and assaulted the pregnant wife of Slater King and she lost her baby? Those who have said be patient and wait, we must say that we cannot be patient. We do not want our freedom gradually, but we want to be free now. We are tired. We are tired of being beaten by policemen. We are tired of seeing our people locked up in jail over and over again. And then you holler, be patient. How long can we be patient? We want our freedom and we want it now. We do not want to go to jail, but we will go to jail if this, this is the price we must pay for love brotherhood and true peace. I appeal to all of you to get in this great revolution that is sweeping this nation. Get in and stay in the streets of every city 
every village and hamlet of this nation until true freedom comes, until the revolution of 1776 is complete. We must get in this revolution and complete the revolution. For in the Delta of Mississippi, in Southwest Georgia, in the Black Belt of Alabama, in Harlem, in Chicago, Detroit, Philadelphia, and all over this nation, the black masses are on the march for jobs and freedom. talking about slow down and stop. We will not stop. All of the forces of Eastland, Barnett, Wallace, and Thurman will not stop this revolution. If we do not get meaningful legislation out of this Congress, the time will come when we will not confine our march into Washington. We will march through the South, through the streets of Jackson, through the streets of Danville, through the streets of Cambridge, through the streets of Birmingham. But we will march with the spirit of love and with the spirit of dignity that we have shown here today. By the forces of our demand, our determination, and our numbers, we shall splinter the segregated South into a thousand pieces and put them together in the image of God and democracy. We must say, wake up, America, wake up, for we cannot stop, and we will not and cannot be patient. Brought to you by Emory University. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, pardon the interruption. I know you were really listening intensely to this episode. My apologies. But I'd like to take a moment to let you know that there are other people who love this podcast as much as you and like hearing some really cool, interesting topics and discussions. And if you have a brand, product, maybe you have a podcast yourself, if you would like to advertise in this podcast, either a pre-roll at the beginning of an episode in the middle, just like you're hearing right now, or at the end of podcast episodes, please let me know. I would love to help you connect with the listeners just like yourself with whatever it is you would like to get uh, to their ears. Just email advertising at everettpodcast.com. Again, pardon the interruption. I will get you right back to this episode that you're listening to. Thanks. Mr. President. Mr. Dean. I also have the great honor to present to you the Honorable John Robert Lewis to receive the degree of Doctor of Laws. John Robert Lewis, Congressman, Prophet, Exemplary American. With unflinching courage and forgiveness born of grace, you withstood the forces of arrogance and of hatred to help lead our nation in a more complete flowering of the Founders' democratic vision. A son of Alabama's cotton fields, you have earned the role of Atlanta's representative, but stand firmly in history as a citizen leader in the Republic of Human Rights on sturdy feet that remember the furrows of plowed fields and also walked the miles from Selma to Montgomery, you tread the halls of Congress 
and still lead the stride toward justice. We at Emory know you as a moral exemplar, a friend, and an ally in our mission to serve humanity. So for the clarity with which you invoke our better selves, and with gratitude for your years of selfless service, we humbly confer on you the degree of Doctor of Laws, honoris causa. Congratulations. this time, we are going to ask that Mr. Lewis, now Dr. Lewis, to deliver our keynote address. President Wagner, members of the Board of Trustees, distinguished faculty, parents, family, and friends, and to the class of 2014, I'm delighted and very pleased to be with you on this important occasion. Now let me join President Wagner in saying hashtag thanks Gary. <laughs> to each and every one of you who are receiving a degree, congratulations. Congratulations. This is your day. Enjoy it. Be happy. Just be happy. Have a little fun. Smile. You look good. You, you, look, you look beautiful. Handsome. Did anyone else tell you that you really look good? Colorful? And let me just tell you for a moment. I didn't grow up in a big city like Decatur. <laughs> I didn't grow up in a big city like Snailville. I didn't grow up in a big city like uh, Buffalo or Chicago or New York or Los Angeles or Atlanta. I grew up in rural Alabama, 50 miles from Montgomery outside of a little place called Troy. My father was a sharecropper, a tenant farmer. But back in 1944, when I was only four years old, my father had saved $300. And with the $300, he bought 110 acres of land. My family still on that land today. How many of you remember when you were four? Now, what happened to the rest of us? It was many, many years ago when we would visit the little town of Troy, visit Montgomery, visit Tuskegee, visit Birmingham. I saw those signs that said white men, colored men, white women, colored women, white waiting, colored waiting. I would come home and ask my mother, my father, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, why? And they would say, that's the way it is. Don't get in the way. Don't get in trouble. But one day in 1955, 15 years old, in the 10th grade, 
I heard about Rosa Parks. I heard the words of Martin Luther King Jr. on our radio. 1957, I met Rosa Parks at the age of 17. In 1958, at the age of 18, I met Martin Luther King Jr., and these two individuals inspired me to get in the way, to get in trouble. So I come here to say to you this morning, on this beautiful campus, with your great education, you must find a way to get in the way. You must find a way to get in trouble, good trouble, necessary trouble. Use your education. You have wonderful teachers, wonderful professors, researchers. Use what you have. Use your learning. Use your tools to help make our country and make our world a better place where no one will be left out or left behind. You can do it and you must do it. It is your time. In a few short days, we will commemorate what we call the Mississippi Summer Project. For more than a thousand students from all over America, many from abroad, made a trip to Mississippi to encourage people to register to vote. And the summer night of June 21st, 1964, three young men that I knew, two whites and one African-American, Mickey Swerner, Andy Goodman, and James Shaney, went out to investigate the burning of an African-American church that was used for voter registration workshop. These three young men were detained by the sheriff, taken to jail, taken out of jail, turned over to the Klan, where they were beaten, shot, and killed. And I tell students today, these three young men didn't die in Vietnam. They didn't die in the Middle East or Eastern Europe. They didn't die in Africa or Central or South America. They died right here in our own country, trying to help all of our citizens become participants in the democratic process. As young people, you must understand that there are forces that want to take us back to another period. But you must say that we're not going back. We made too much progress and we're going forward. There may be some setbacks, some delays, some disappointment, but you must never ever give up or give in. You must keep the faith and keep your eyes on the prize. That is your calling, that is your mission, that is your moral obligation, that is your mandate. Get out there and do it. Get in the way. In the final analysis, we all must learn to live together as brothers and sisters, not just in America, but around the world. I want to tell you one little story. I told you I wouldn't be long. You know, I got arrested a few times during the 60s. 40 times. And attorney Ben Johnson, my great friend, President Beverly Tatum, I'm honored to be honored with these two wonderful people, that all of the charges was dropped and dismissed. 
But since I've been in Congress, and young people ask me, how can you be in Congress? You got arrested so many times. <laughs> been arrested since I've been in Congress five more times. <laughs> and, and I may get arrested again. The last time I got arrested was trying to say to the Congress, we need to pass comprehensive immigration reform and set people on a path to citizenship. It's the right thing to do. It doesn't make sense that we live in a country, we live in a society where more than 12 million people are living in the shadow, living in fear. That is not right, that is not fair, and that is not just. And you must get in the way and find a way to make a way out of no way. When I was growing up, when I was growing up outside of Troy, Alabama, I had an aunt by the name of Steneva. And my aunt Steneva lived in what we call a shotgun house. I know as Emory students, soon to graduate. You have never seen a shotgun house. You don't even know what I'm talking about. My aunt Steneva didn't have a green manicured lawn. Had a simple plain dirt yard. And sometime at night, you can look up through the holes in the ceiling, the holes in the tin roof, and come to stars. When it rains, she would get a pail, a bucket, or top, and catch the rainwater. But if you really want to know what a shotgun house looked like in a nonviolent sense, it's an old house, one way in, one way out, where you can bounce a basketball through the front door, and it will go straight out the back door. My Aunt Eva lived in a shotgun house. From time to time, she would walk out into, into the woods and cut branches from a dogwood tree and tie these branches together and make what she called a dress broom. And she would sweep the street yard very clean, sometimes two and three times a week, but especially on a Friday or Saturday because she wanted that dirt yard to look good during the weekend. One Saturday afternoon, a group of my brothers and sisters and a few of my first cousins were well, playing in my unsteadable dirt yard. And an unbelievable storm came up. The wind started blowing, the thunder started rolling, the lightning started flashing, and the rain started beating on the tin roof of this old shotgun house. Mont became terrified. She started crying. She thought this old house was going to blow away. When it appeared that one corner of the house was going to blow away, my aunt had us all to hold hands and walk to that side to try to hold a hand down with our, hold the house down with our little bodies. When the other corner appeared to be lifting, she had us to walk to that side. We were little children walking with the wind, but we never left the house. I said to you as you leave here, leave this beautiful campus. The wind may blow, the thunder may roll, the lightning may flash, and the rain may beat on our old house. Call it a house of Emory. Call it a house of Georgia, or Alabama, or New York. Call it a house of Europe. Call it a house of Africa. Call it a house of Asia, or Central, or South America. Call it a house of the Middle East. We all live in the same house. 
And it doesn't matter whether we are black or white, Latino, Asian American, or Native American. It doesn't matter whether we are straight or gay. We are one people. We are one family. We all live in the same house. Be bold. Be courageous. Stand up. Speak up. Speak out. And find a way to create the beloved community, the beloved world, a world of peace, a world that recognizes the dignity of all humankind. Never become bitter, never become hostile, never hate, live in peace. We are one, one people and one love. Thank you very much. The preceding program is copyrighted by Emory University. You can join the conversation anytime. Call or text 208-391-2808. Also, you can connect on Twitter. Look for at Everett Podcast. Listen to all available episodes of Everything with Everett, as well as find out where to subscribe. More information at everettmcconaughey.com forward slash podcast. Music beds used in this podcast are royalty-free and courtesy bensound.com. Podcast hosting and distribution is provided by buzzsprout.com. Thank you for listening to Everything with Everett. This was a conversation worth having.